This is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 33 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Chapter 9, The Evils of a, of a Murmuring Spirit, Concluded. Roman numeral 6. The sixth evil in a murmuring spirit is, by murmuring, you undo your prayers, for it is exceedingly contrary to the prayers that you make to God. When you come to pray to God, you acknowledge his sovereignty over you. You come there to profess yourselves to be at God's disposal. What do you pray for unless you acknowledge that you are at his disposal? Unless you will stand, as it were, at his disposal, never come to petition him. If you will come to petition him and yet will be your own carver, you go contrary to your prayers to come as if you would beg your bread at your father's gates every day, and yet you must do what you list. This is the undoing of the prayers of a Christian. I remember reading that Latimer, speaking concerning Peter, who denied his master, said, Peter forgot his paternoster. There is a note that paternoster is the Lord's Prayer, so-called because the Latin version begins, Pater Noster, our Father. For that was, hallowed be thy name, and thy kingdom come. So we may say, when you have murmuring and discontented hearts, you forget your prayers. You forget what you have prayed for. What do you pray but... Give us this day our daily bread. For you must make the Lord's Prayer a pattern for your prayers. That is Christ's intention, that we should have it as a pattern and a directory, as it were, how to make our prayers. Now, God does not teach any of you to pray, Lord, give me so much a year, or let me have this kind of cloth, and so many dishes at my table. Christ does not teach you to pray so, but he teaches us to pray, Lord, give us our bread, showing that you should be content with a little. What? Have you not bread to eat? I hope there are none of you here but have that. Objection. But I do not know what would become of my children if I were to die. Or if I have bread now, I do not know where I shall get it from next week or where I shall get provision for the winter. Answer. Where did Christ teach us to pray, Lord, give us provision for so long a time? No. But if we have bread for this day, Christ would have us content. Therefore, 
when we murmur, because we have not so much variety as others have, we do, as it were, forget our paternoster. It is against our prayers. We do not in our lives hold forth the acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God over us as we seem to acknowledge in our prayers. Therefore, when at any time you find your hearts murmuring, then do but reflect upon yourselves and think thus. Is this according to my prayers in which I held forth the sovereign power and authority that God has over me? Roman numeral seven, the seventh thing which I add for the evil of discontent is the woeful effects that come to a discontented heart from murmuring. I will name you five. There are five evil effects that come from a murmuring spirit. Number one, by murmuring and discontent in your hearts, you come to lose a great deal of time. How many times do men and women, when they are discontented, let their thoughts run and are musing and contriving through their present disconsolatedness and their, let their discontented thoughts work in them for some hours together, and they spend their time in vain. When you are alone, you should spend your time in holy meditation, but you are spending your time in discontented thoughts. You complain that you cannot meditate, you cannot think on good things, but if you begin to think of them a little, soon your thoughts are off from them. But if you are discontented with anything, then you can go alone and muse and roll things up and down in your thoughts to feed a discontented humor. Oh, labor to see this evil effect of murmuring, the losing of your time. Number two, it unfits you for duty. If a man or woman is in a contented frame, you may turn such a one to anything at any time, and he is fit to go to God at any time. But when one is in a discontented condition, then a man or woman is exceedingly unfit for the service of God, and it causes many distractions in duty. It unfits for duty, and when you come to perform duties, oh, the distractions that are in your duties when your spirits are discontented. When you hear any ill news from sea and cannot bear it, or of any ill from a friend, or any loss or cross, oh, what distractions do they cause in the performance of holy duties? When you should be enjoying communion with God, you are distracted in your thoughts about the trial that has befallen you. Whereas, had you but a quiet spirit, though great trials befell you, yet they would never hinder you in the performance of any duty. Number three, consider what wicked risings of heart and resolutions of spirit there are many times in a discontented fit. 
in some discontented fits, the heart rises against God and against others. And sometimes it even has desperate resolutions what to do to help itself. If the Lord had suffered you to have done what you had sometimes thought to do in a discontented fit, what wretched misery you would have brought upon yourselves. Oh, it was a mercy of God that stopped you, had not God stopped you, but let you go on when you thought to help yourselves this way and the other way. Oh, it would have been ill with you. Do but remember those risings of heart and wicked resolutions that sometimes you have had in a discontented mood and learn to be humbled for that. Number four, unthankfulness is an evil and a wicked effect which comes from discontent. The scripture ranks unthankfulness among very great sins. Men and women who are discontented, though they enjoy many mercies from God, yet they are thankful for none of them, for this is the vile nature of discontent. To lessen every mercy of God. It makes those mercies they have from God as nothing to them, because they cannot have what they want. Sometimes it is so even in spiritual things. If they do not have all they desire, the comforts that they would have, then what they do have is nothing to them. Do you think that God will take this well? Suppose you were to give a friend or a relation some money to trade with, and he came and said, What is this you have given me? There are only a few coins here. This is no good to me. This would be intolerable to you that he should react to your gift like this just because you have not given him as much money as he would like. It is just the same when you are ready to say, all that God has given me is worthless. It is no good to me. It is only a few coins. For you to say that what God gives you is nothing and only common gifts, all given in hypocrisy and counterfeit, when they are the precious graces of God's Spirit and worth more than thousands of worlds, how ungrateful it is. The graces of God's Spirit are nothing to a discontented heart who cannot have all that he would have. And so, for outward blessings, God has given you health of body and strength and has given you some competence for your family, some way of livelihood. Yet because you are disappointed in something that you would have, therefore, all is nothing to you. Oh, what unthankfulness is this. God expects that every day you should spend some time in blessing his name for what mercy he has granted to you. There is not one of you in the lowest condition, but you have an abundance of mercies 
to bless God for. But discontentedness makes them nothing. I remember an excellent saying that Luther has. This is the rhetoric of the Spirit of God, he said, to extenuate evil things and to amplify good things. If a cross comes, to make the cross but little. But if there is a mercy, to make the mercy great. This concludes episode 33 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. <laughs>